Good morning. We'll be in Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1 uh, this morning. Uh, and if you've uh, done Bible study, you know that's going to be at least in the realm of the birth of Christ. And we're going to look at some comparisons. Um, and uh, to me, that's always an interesting study. And I really think that that's kind of the goal of the Gospel of Luke. We know that uh, Matthew was written to the Jews, and so you've got those long lineages and a lot of that stuff in there that us old uh, bacon-eating Gentiles don't maybe care about as much as we might should. Who knows? You know, I, It's kind of my jam. I'm kind of get in that vein that I kind of like that stuff, but it does take a little more effort. Uh, Mark is kind of the one that was written for us, you know, the wham-bam gospel. You know, here's all these awesome miracle things that he did, and this is why you should believe uh, that he's the Son of God. And then we get John, which has kind of got the emotional aspects to it, a little more meat on the bone as far as like how his relationship was with the individual disciples. Uh, as mentioned, the chosen uh, spins probably uses a lot of, of the Gospel of John. And then you get to Luke, and Luke is... I believe most scholars believe Luke is written prior to the destruction of Jerusalem, whether you think that's 70 A.D. or later. Uh, but there is kind of, at the time of his writing, beginning to be even more of a split between Judaism and Christianity. You know, we, we read in the book of Acts, uh, and that's over several years as well, where, you know, these guys are welcome to come in the synagogue. They can kind of teach about Jesus and then you start to see them push the envelope that, hey, uh, Christianity, as Jesus said, is the only way. Through Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so there's this natural kind of rift starting to take place. And Luke kind of jumps on that, and he's pushing the envelope. That this is different. It's different. It's similarities. They're similar, but there is a difference, and that difference is what we've celebrated this morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the difference. That's what we've talked about over the last few weeks. And so I believe that in Luke chapter 1, right out of the gate, Luke goes, okay, let's compare the old way of doing things. And that, that's a general statement. I don't know that old, I don't know if that's the best description. But we're gonna look at the kind of the old ways, the Jewish ways versus now this new wave of Christianity and how they are different. And I think that those are both are example in Zechariah, first of all, and then Mary. The two discussions that go on there certainly have their similarities, but they also have some major differences. I have a tremendous frustration with people uh, who live now and talk about how the Bible is an archaic, sexist book that holds down women and holds up this old way of doing things. And I'm like, have you read the first chapter of Luke? And really, have you read the New Testament in general? And really, even the Old Testament. The Old Testament does, in fact, put a high value on women and children. That, that was a major difference. If, if you look at governments who become tyrannical, or you look at governments who become overbearing, or there are no rules, who suffers the most? Women and children. Every time. Historic. You can go down the line and you can point out how women and children bear the brunt of any wrongdoing. 
right? That's just the way it works. You know, I don't care how much fighting and crying and pitching a fit you want to do. Historically, that's just how it works. When rules and structure and order go the way of the dodo bird, women and children suffer. Men suffer too, but women and children suffer by and large much more than anyone else. And so the Old Testament comes along and this is a major difference, right? Now, traditionally and structurally, sometimes it looks different, right? And it's so easy for us in 2021, for some reason, we're so judgmental in 2021 because we've got it all figured out, to look back at history and make these broad sweeping statements that we really have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, and, and we have to do our homework, and I am certainly able to do just the same uh, and probably do it on a regular basis. So when I've done that, I, I certainly, and come to realization, ask for forgiveness. But as we look here at verse 5 of chapter 1, uh, the first few verses there talk about who Luke is writing to, uh, most excellent Theophilus or most honorable Theophilus, and uh, a lot of people believe that that is a specific human being. His name was either Theophilus or not. Uh, it may have been code language. It may have been whatever. It may have been a group of people. But either way, it is this idea of one who loves God or God loves uh, this person. And so Luke is, I'm setting out to do this account. You heard this and that. And I'm writing this account to you so that you may have an accurate account of what actually happened. Or at the very least, what are the most important things that you need to know to establish your relationship with God through Jesus Christ? And so, as you can imagine, you've all probably played the game. You know, if I came over here and I tell Mike a story and he shares it around the room, by the time we get over here, it'll be something that doesn't even look remotely like what I told Mike, right? Even if we're doing our best to preserve and so, you know, oral tradition is how the first initial gospel was shared. It was person to person. We didn't rely on a preacher to do all that. It was oral tradition. Hey, this is what we saw. This is how it went. And we all know how that goes. And so now Luke says, I'm setting out to make an account where you can know accurately what happened and transpired, and most importantly, what is the, the most important aspects. As we know, John gives the, the qualifier of if we wrote everything down, there's not enough trees to produce enough paper, not enough books in the world to say that all that he did, which gives us a great amount of license, right, of creativity to look at. But let's get down to it. We get to the birth of John the Baptist foretold, Zechariah, in comparison to Mary. And this guy has got the resume, people. I mean, he's got the resume. You know, he's got a resume that might even rival, you know, Paul later gives his resume. And you've got this priest. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. He and his wife uh, from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Okay, so what we first realize is that not only is Zechariah of the priestly lineage, but Elizabeth is straight up from Aaron, the original, right? The original McCoy of being a hot. So, so this is the lineage. They, they've got the bloodline, all right? And he and his wife from the daughters of Aaron, verse 6, and they were both righteous before God. All right? Now, when I come to passages like this, I'm always like playing that game in my mind, right? You, you see Noah. Noah. Noah is upright. He is blameless. Now, is that compar comparing to everyone else in the world? 
Or is that comparing to God? And that's always something that mind games that I run around in my brain. Like, because those are kind of two different ball games, right? Like, I, he's upright and blameless compared to a generation that is said in the Bible that every thought that they have is evil. You know, that sounds a little easier than being upright and blameless in the sight of God. And so maybe those are debates that will never be answered. But that's always something that sticks out to me. And so the same thing kind of here, but either way, righteous before God, that's a big deal, right? That's a big deal. Jesus himself says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Sadducees and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And everybody's response to that is, well, that's impossible. And then the response is, well, yeah, it's impossible with you, but not me. I can do this. Right? And I think we see that also play out here. Walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. If you've ever seen, uh, if you want to know what you'll never see following Travis Creasy's name, is that last phrase there. Uh, blamelessly in all the commandments. Right? You're, you're not going to see that in my epitaph. It's not going to be on my tombstone. Uh, it'll probably be more like, we made it. Uh, he didn't kill any, you know, all the, you know, all those things possibly. But that's something you're never going to see in a headline next to my name. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now the running tradition at this point is that if you're not having children, then there's something wrong with you, uh, either physically and most a lot of times worse than that, spiritually, somewhere, some way. We see that play out in Job, right? Well, you know, you obviously aren't blameless because God wouldn't have done this to you, right? He would not have allowed this to happen to you. And we know over and over again, that's not really how that works. It's not how that works. And so, verse 8, Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. This is important to remember because here in a minute, he's going to basically, basically be like, you got the wrong guy. right? I'm, I'm, I'm old. Oh, I'm so, you got the wrong guy. No, we're seeing this is specific. This is not a coincidence. This isn't dink. You are the guy. Right? This is your time to be here. Uh, and, and you might even read into that that I've made sure it's your time to be here. I've made it specific. Right? So there's none of this going around. Well, I filled in for Phil today reading scripture and now God's going to speak to me. He must have the wrong guy. No. Right? He is there uh, for a reason. And then verse 10, the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And before you think I'm casting a lot of shade on Zechariah and I'm giving Zechariah a hard time, I'm just going to be honest with you. My response is going to be similar. right? If you look at when an angel shows up, typically... Someone is about to die and a whole lot of people are about to die, right? Or there's a message to be delivered. Those are the two options. You don't see a lot of any other. They're just showing up to hang out, right? We're going to chill out with Gabriel today and we're just going to conversate and be cool, right? We're going to go get some ice cream or something. No, it is, hey, I've come to deliver a message and that message is that I have chosen violence, right? And, and people are about to disappear and they're going to be extinct right and they're done so i'm not casting any shade on his response and zechariah was troubled and i think that's probably a uh, 
understatement. When he saw and fear fell upon him, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife, wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. And I think sometimes, I'm right with you, I'm sitting here, and I'm praising God, and we're worshiping together, and I hear passages like that, and I go, well, you just don't know what's going on in my life. Right? You don't know the storm and this just terrible, awful thing that's going on in my life, you know. And, and, and this is something that I'm sure they're walking around that's hanging around their neck, you know. As we have in our brotherhood and as we have in the world, there are people everywhere who want to have children and cannot. And we've probably woefully fallen short in ministering to those people, right? We've experienced here in our congregation that idea. And more than likely, if you've lived long enough, you know someone that you hold dear that go through those things. So once again, I am not casting shade. I'm more in the Zechariah boat. I'm, I'm explaining to you that I'm there, right? And you shall call his name John. You'll have joy, gladness, rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice that none of this is question marks. He's not going... Well, he might be great before the Lord, and you might have joy, and you might have gladness, and you might have these things. This is the angel of God, and he will reiterate that in just a moment, saying, you are going to have these things. They are yours, and they're going to happen. Right? No tears, no tears up there. You're going to have this. And it has so little to do with you. It's going to happen regardless of if you're on board or not. But we would really like for you to be on board. In fact, the plan through you is to fulfill Abraham's promise. That through you, the world will be blessed. Your son's going to be a part of that. Right? I'd love for an angel to show up and say, Daniel's going to be a part of that. All right. Sweet. And rest a lot more at night, you know, get a little more sleep, a little more peace, right? You know, for he was great before the Lord, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. You got to understand that at the Passover, they save to this day, they save a chair at the table for Elijah, they play a game where somebody rings the doorbell now, and the kids run to see, is it Elijah? Has Elijah come? Because if Elijah comes, the Messiah is not far behind him. To this day, that's a part of the tradition. It was the tradition in Jesus' day. Run to the door. Is Elijah there? And you're being told to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the people, the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, That is great! Man, that is awesome! Party, I can't wait to go home and tell my wife! Woo! No, that is not his response. What's his response? Similar to mine, if I'm honest. How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years, right? And we see the connection 
Abraham and Sarah. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> LOL. Hey, that's not possible. I'm past that. That's not for me. As though we need to lecture the Lord on the boundaries of time and space. Job, you can tell me how I do this, then I'll give you your answer. Well, good luck. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak. How will you know this? A guy who gets paid, not paid, I don't know if they got paid, to speak and read the oracles of God is going to be quiet. That's a pretty good sign. One that my wife probably would love. Uh, You know, there's no mention of how Elizabeth feels about him being quiet for so long. Who knows, right? We won't read into that too much. Uh, But you're going to be quiet. That's how you're going to know. Because if you're not going to take the word of the angel of God, there's no convincing you otherwise. So you're just going to be quiet. And if you keep reading the text, he gets his voice back when? When he confirms the word of the Lord. Man, there are times where I'm like, Lord, just give me the Zechariah treatment because I just keep messing it up. My tongue keeps getting tied and I don't know how to say this and I just give it my best go and I just fall flat on my face. Could you have just shut me up? Give me a little silence. Till I get this right. Lord, I want to profess your word. I want to get across what you want to get across. And everything else, you can just stop, right? And then that's the beauty of being able to even encourage us when we fall short and we unbelieve. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple as in, uh, is he dead? Because there are people who go in and don't come out, right? But he comes out... And he remained mute. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Verse 26, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Notice what her resume is dependent on. Where she's from, And who she's engaged to. And that says a lot about the culture, right? We we get this big long diatribe about how Zechariah is this and this and this and this. And look at his resume and he's just this man of God. And then he gets this great message and what's his response? How do I know? I need a sign, right? The Jewish response. The Israel response. The wrestle with God quite literally Response, And then we get this resume of Mary. She's from Nazareth, which if you know the story, isn't a big deal. Backwater, you know, might even go so far redneck. Nothing important about it, right? Just one of those, those towns you blow through on, on the way to somewhere else. You know, maybe one red light if it was in 2021. And you're just on to the next. And she's betrothed to Joseph. And he came to her and said, Greetings. O favored one. O favored one. What what does that mean, right? But we know what it means because he follows it right up with, The Lord is with you. Verse 29, the English Standard Version. 
But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Notice that she is troubled. Uh, My version, it doesn't say fear. It may say fear in your version. But whatever it is, it is a different response to Gabriel than we see with the man of God who's studied the Word. You know, it's very similar when Jesus looks at Sadducees and Pharisees and scribes even and high priests and go, Have you not read? Have you not seen the great things that God has done? What is the greatest command? Have you not read in the Scriptures? Those are, that's elementary stuff, man. And here we have a girl, I don't know the age, a girl who uh, probably did not spend a whole lot of time in Hebrew school, if at all, might not even be able to read, uh, might not even be able to write. And those are all things might be. I want to be clear on that. I don't know that for sure, but you know, you could look at the culture and see that you know, her resume isn't that big, right? But what does she do? I want to know what this means which is probably a decent response, but it is a different response. Trying to discern. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. I like the fact that Jacob is mentioned here. Of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Jacob even had those moments, right, where I kind of need to know. Like, I'm not going to let you go till you give me a blessing, right? There's a fervent there, ferventness there. I think I just made up a word. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Notice it's not... This isn't going to happen. This couldn't possibly... I need a sign to prove it. She just says, well, how? It's going to happen. There's no doubt it's going to happen because you're, you're Gabriel. You stand in the presence of God. She doesn't need that big, long, dry tire of why, why this is going to happen. Just tell me how. How? And I think in that response is, how can I be obedient? What a... Response. Think about all the debates within Christianity that would be solved with the simple response, how can I be obedient? Not how can I be efficient. Not how can we streamline this. Not how we can make it easier or look better or be presented. How can I be obedient? I don't want to read too much into this, and I, I don't want to do that, and that's not my goal here. But what I'm saying is, is there is something different about Mary. I, I don't think she's divine. I don't think she helped create the universe, whatever people think. But I think the completely opposite response to that thought is probably not the accurate one either. But ultimately, what we look at is the obedience, if nothing else, that you can give Mary credit for. Give credit to her for what God gives her credit for. And it's obedience. How will this happen? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called the Holy Son of God. How are we born again? Jesus, John chapter 3, be born of the Spirit. 
How will I have this son? The Spirit of God will come upon you and you will conceive, right? How am I made new in the image of God? How am I sanctified in the image of God? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and recreate you. You'll be reborn to a new life. How will we walk again in the end? How will we live for eternity? The same power, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead will raise you. See, there's, there's some power here and message that we're receiving here. <clears throat> we'll be called the Holy Son of God. And behold, a relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Even a priest can stop talking. That's not what he's talking about. But right, even a preacher can be silenced uh, even when you think it's impossible. And Mary said... Here it is. It's the same statement that we need to make every single day. You get out of the bed. You want to know how to start your day? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We get to hear some songs and sing. And you see some songs and people get to use their mouth. Right? Even our words become powerful when we confirm what the Word of God has said. We see it with Zechariah. He receives his voice back as soon as he says his name will be John. Boom, he's able to talk. All I'm saying is, is I'm as stubborn as they come. And there's a lot of times it takes me a little while to get on board and to confirm the Word of God. Maybe that's you and, and wherever you are, however old you are. and You may be fighting it right now. Let me encourage you that there were two babies born because God said they would be born. Now one person, let's do this. I am your servant. It is not my body, it is yours. Right? We hear that phrase of it's my body, my choice. And, and Mary said, it ain't my choice. You're going to do what you want to do. It's yours. It's yours, Lord. Everything I've got, everything I am, it's yours, Lord. And wherever you are in your walk with Christ... You can make the same statement. And just what is it to be obedient? We believe at this church that if you're outside of Christ, you've never put Him on in baptism. That is something that you need to do to receive the remission of your sin, to have your sins washed away. Romans 8, 1, here it is. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We believe that through that, He also gets into you and He's going to be like a bull in a china shop. And He's going to wreck the joint and he's going to point out things that's got to go, and you've got to make the decision to go, Lord, whatever your word says, let it be done. This morning, wherever you are, God has a plan for your life. And that plan ends with you being with him for eternity, but it starts now in kingdom living every single day. And the simple question that we ask is, what is it to be obedient so today, wherever you're at, may that be your response, Lord. Whatever it takes for me to be obedient, that is what I'll be found doing. If you have a need this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing?